You know, when I was growing up, decades ago, according to my kids, um, there was the self-help book cruise. You know, there was a book for everything, right? How to, how to win friends and influence people. How to become a, a millionaire in four easy steps. How to, how to read the Bible for all it's worth. All these things that were about making yourself better. Uh, and so, you know, people, people tried that. And they did those things. And, you know, before the internet, uh, it took creativity to determine how to do certain things. Uh, cakes, decorations, buildings, crafts. Uh, you know, now people just go online and they go to Pinterest. Or they look at some other thing to find ways to do this. You know, we've, we've seen the pages, right? If the Pinterest fails or people will try to make a cupcake look like a cupcake and it didn't look like a cupcake. All these things that happen, that's what people do now. And often we have the same failure when it comes to sharing Jesus. Uh, we'll talk about Jesus. We'll speak on who Jesus is. We'll invite people to follow Jesus, but then sometimes we don't explain what that means. We don't explain what it means to follow Jesus. I know, you know... A few decades ago, the, 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 the norm was the Big Ten Revival and people would come down and they would accept Jesus and sometimes they would just go off from there and nothing else ever happened. You know, Billy Graham always made a point to say, find yourself a local church, find yourself a place to be because he wanted to make sure they got disciples. But too often, we don't tell people what it means to, to follow Jesus. What does a Christian look like? I mean, you know, let's be honest. All of us, if we think about it, have this picture of a Christian in our head. And it's a little bit colored by who we are. Because for some of us, you know, especially 40 years ago, a Christian put on a suit and a tie. Maybe the lady had a big old hat on on Sunday morning that sat there. You know, you had a fan. That was a Christian. <laughs> and, and, and that's something we struggle with today because that's the view some people have of what we think a Christian should be. And so what does a Christian look like? What is, what is a Christian supposed to be? Uh, and so, some might talk about church attendance. Some might talk about a certain type of church. But there has to be more. There has to be more to it. If being a Christian is the thing that we are, then living the Christian life is that thing we do. How do we do that thing we do? What is it? And I'll be honest, I almost skipped the intro to our, our book. We're starting a series called... That thing you do. Journey of New Life with Jesus. It's a series based on 1 John. And what we're looking at is, how do you do that thing you do? What does it mean to be a Christian? What is a Christian supposed to look like? What does the book of 1 John tell us about living our lives, how God wants us to live our lives? And, and there's so much good stuff in 1 John. And we read this introduction and it's kind of like, you know, if you look in your Bible, there's probably a title that says Prologue. I almost, I almost, I almost said, man, we're just going to leave the prologue alone. But it gives a purpose. If this series is about how we do that thing we do, then this introduction is why we do that thing we do. And so we're going to start with the very first verse this morning there in the book of 1 John. Uh, and we're, we're going to read his prologue, the declaration here that, that Jesus laid on the heart of John. And it says... What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, 
what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed. And we have seen it. And we testify and declare it to you, the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now and we thank you and we praise you for your blessings. Father, we ask right now that you would take this time and use it for your glory this morning, Father. As we seek to learn your truth from your word, we just pray that you would illuminate this truth to us. Father, use me as a vessel that the words that I speak be yours and yours alone. Father, we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in the name of your son Jesus and for his sake. And all God's people say. So why do we do the thing we do? What makes the Christian faith something that we want to be a part of? What is it that makes me go, yes, that is the truth? We live in a world that tells you there are lots of truths. We live in a world that will tell you that all roads lead to heaven. That's what the world tries to tell us. That makes absolutely no sense even on the logical realm because not all roads lead to La Pan. I mean, all roads can't lead to the same place all the time. So what is it about the Christian faith that makes it be something that we want to be a part of? Well, as I read this, the first thing that I see here is that the Christian faith is not an uninformed faith. It is based on eyewitness testimony. Why is that important? Why is it important that this is not an uninformed faith, that it's not just blind faith? That we're not just saying, well, you know, I really have this kind of this wishful thinking that this actually is what it's supposed to be. That's not what the Christian faith is. We aren't wishfully thinking that God is there taking care of us. We aren't wishfully thinking that, that this is how it is. John here is dealing with a major heresy in the church. There is a group of people coming in, talking about Jesus, and denying that Christ was the historical Jesus. They believe that the Christ was going to be somebody else other than Jesus. So John is here saying, look, I'm telling you about Jesus because I know Jesus. I walk with Jesus. I talk with Jesus. I ate with Jesus. I healed with Jesus. I was there when he fed the 5,000. I was there when he brought the man back from the dead. I was there when he made the guy who had never walked in his life walk. I was there for all of those things. I saw all of those things. Christ is Jesus. Jesus is the Christ. And we have a society much like John was dealing with. Jesus is being attacked from every side. If you watch anything on TV about Jesus, if you see anything on the internet, most of the time it is about how it's not really the truth. About how well Jesus missed the mark. How we need to change this to that. I can't even get on the internet anymore because my feed, my news feed is all about how the church is dying. No. It's all about how well Jesus really didn't mean that. And Jesus is being attacked. Things are being twisted. Things are being turned. And so the reason why it's so important that it's eyewitness testimony is that this isn't about a myth. It's not about wishful thinking. We believe based on the accounts of those who saw. It's kind of like court. When you go to court, you're going to hear testimony. 
you're going to hear eyewitness testimony. And, and it's going to either sway you one way or the other. You're, you're going to hear something. And you're going to hear these accounts. This is what I saw. How many of you parents have ever been in this situation? You're in the living room watching TV. You're at the stove cooking dinner. And one of your kids says, Mom! He! And then there's this whole long string of what he did. Right? Or she! There's this whole long string of what she did. And it's very easy just to say, well, I'm going to get him for that. But what you have to do is you have to stop and do what? Say, let's stop. Let's talk about this. Let's sit down. And you listen to their eyewitness testimonies. And you somehow derive the truth from there, right? So you, my kids don't like it anymore because now Asher talks. <laughs> Did she hit you? Yeah. There you go. Because that boy's telling me the truth. Eyewitness testimony. That's what our faith is built on. Because there are these people who walk with Jesus. They talk with Jesus. They ate with Jesus. Our faith is not a blind faith of ignorance. That's the first thing we see here because we have seen it with our eyes. We have observed it. We have touched it. All of these things. But we also see here that Jesus is both the Word and eternal life. We usually preach that Jesus gives eternal life, right? That's what we say. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have eternal life. And we say, see, Jesus brings eternal life, but that's technically not true. Jesus is eternal life. Because what the Bible tells us is that I was crucified with Christ. And the life that I now have is not my life, but Jesus in me. Jesus is the eternal life. Without Jesus, I don't have eternal life. Without Jesus, I am just lost without hope. We say that Jesus is the Word. We know He was the Word. And there's all this theology there. And I'm not going to go into it because we'd be here until tomorrow. But we have to understand that He is eternal life. He doesn't just bring it. It's Him living in us. It's Him taking up residence. It's Him giving us that life and allowing us to continue on. He is both the Word and eternal life. But also, accepting Jesus means becoming a part of a fellowship. <laughs> mm. That's my favorite part of it. Because here's the deal. Salvation is individual. There's no doubt about that. Mama can't save you. Daddy can't save you. Grandma can't save you. Now, she may spend every night on her knees praying until you see the light and come to Jesus. But she didn't save you. You have to be saved by yourself as an individual. That's just the truth of the matter. You can't be saved by somebody else, but you are saved into a body. You were saved into a body. You don't walk the aisle, accept Jesus, and then, oh well, I'm just done. No, you are saved to be a part of this family. You are saved to walk with a group of people. You were saved for that. What's the importance of that? What is the importance of being saved into a body? Well, first, we're not alone. We're not alone. This life is hard. Man, it's hard. It's harder than the dirt in my front yard right now. It is just hard. You can't handle it. Because guess what? There's always something around the corner. There's always something else that's going to happen. That's just life. But you're not alone. You don't walk alone. One of the greatest things that I got yesterday at that Man Fest breakfast was 
It was time that pastors in the association got to come together and we could say to each other, if you have a need, don't, feel, don't be scared to reach out. You know, maybe your microphone went out Saturday night. You don't have a microphone for church and I've got 15 of them sitting on the shelf somewhere. Or, or maybe you don't have something else. You're, you're out of Sunday school material, but we have some extras. Don't be afraid to reach out. We started to talk about the fact that we're not alone. And that's the same thing for individuals in the church. You're not alone. You don't have to walk through that alone. You know, when it gets scary, you're not alone. When sickness comes, you're not alone. When the, when the ends don't meet, you're not alone. So you're not alone. But, you know, also, our actions will affect others. That's part of this. Our actions affect others. What we do will affect the people around us in the church. Now, before we start going, yeah, y'all need to understand that. We have to understand, too, that others' actions affect us. <laughs> it goes both ways. Who we are out there tells everybody else who everybody else in this room is. Ouch. That's tough. If I walk out there in this world and, and tell people, yeah, I go to first about this lot of pain, but I'm out there doing everything that I can do that I know I shouldn't do or I'm hateful and I'm mean, they're going to think that's a hateful, mean church that I don't want to be a part of. And they serve a hateful and mean God that I want anything to do with. They begin to think. What we do affects each other. Our actions affect each other. And those are good actions and bad actions. All of our actions reflect on promise. How we handle life in front of a fallen world speaks volumes about the God we serve. If we live in fear and we stay in fear, we, we find ourselves not walking in the power of God. God, 2,000 years ago, gave us power. <laughs> power. He didn't give us fear. He, he didn't give us worry. Did you know you can't worry and be powerful? It just saps the strength out of it. Worry weighs you down. When you're worried, you can't think, you can't, you know. When you're worried, nothing gets done right. You're part of the fellowship. I'm ADD this morning. I remember a church sign once that said, don't let worry kill you, let the church help. Oh. Uh, the church is here to help. Not help kill you. Help with the worry. We're here to walk with you. And, and, and to walk alongside you. And when you're struggling, to be there to say, here, let me grab this side. Because it's funny. There are times where when I go to do something that's really heavy, and I, you know, I shouldn't be doing it. Even Maka can walk up and just that little hand to steady it makes the difference. Maybe somebody's hurting and you know, man, they need money and you don't have money, but guess what? You can put your hand on their shoulder. You can pray with them. You can walk with them through it. That's what it means to be part of the fellowship. 
is that we don't walk alone. We don't deal with these things by ourselves. One of the, you know, salvation of others should bring joy to those who are already saved. And that means no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. But, but you don't know what she did to me, so. So. But you, you don't know the things that he's, so. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I love the Lion King. Anybody watch the Lion King? I love Rafiki. He's that little, little monkey, little baboon. And, you know, Simba's all concerned because Rafiki said he needs to go back and Nala's come and said you need to go back, you know, and you need to go back and face the things that happened. And Simba is so downtrodden because his dad's dead and he feels like it's his fault and everything else. And Rafiki turns around with his little club and hits him on the head and he said, Ow, what's that for? He said, it doesn't matter, it's in the past. <laughs> That's our sin with Jesus. That's the things that we used to do with Jesus. It doesn't matter, it's in the past. Who I was yesterday isn't who I am today and isn't going to be who I am tomorrow. We get to get past that. And so when we see other people come to Jesus, our first reaction should be, Hallelujah, thank you, Lord, I have a new brother or sister. Too often in our world we go, Well, I'll believe it when I see it. I'm glad Jesus didn't do that with me. Because... <laughs> I would have been in trouble a long, long time. Well, I believe Troy's actually going to do what I told him to do whenever I see it because that boy has done some things he shouldn't be doing. Jesus doesn't do that, neither should we. Did you ever stop to think that those people we think that way about might not go back to their old ways if we didn't think they would? Because what happens is they don't think I can do it anyway, so... I'll just be who they think I am. Oh. You know whose sin that becomes? Yours. Because you put it on. Because you didn't walk with them. Doesn't matter who they are. Doesn't matter where they've been. Doesn't matter if, if 10 minutes ago they were hitting you on top of the head. If Jesus comes into their life, they are a new creation. And suddenly life is different. Just like that. Everything's different. I mean, do you really want to get to heaven and Jesus say, why didn't you walk with picture of heaven. I've shared it with you before. I'm going to share it again because, you know, that's maybe I'm getting all the whole same stories over and over again. But they say there's no tears in heaven. But I think outside the gates, I'm going to cry one more time. Because I'm going to sit in front of that throne. And there's going to be a great big high definition TV of some sort, like at Jerry's World. Um, and God's going to put things on the screen. And He's going to say, why didn't you share me with her? Why didn't you walk with him through that?
Why didn't you help him in that moment? Why did you look at them and think, I knew that was going to happen? In that moment, I guarantee you I'm going to cry again. Because you know how many minute moments God looked at me and said, I knew that was going to happen, Troy, but you did it anyway. You still took that step. You still did what you knew you shouldn't do. Does the salvation of others bring you joy? I mean, want to throw a party? Joy? Because <laughs> sometimes people get saved and we go,
Maybe you want to serve in missions or ministry. Maybe you want to join this church membership. Maybe this morning, though, you've never known Jesus as your Savior. Maybe you've never taken a step to say, I want to follow Him. Now's the time. You just walk down to the door. I want to know Jesus, and we'll go from there. But wherever you're at, whatever you need, give it to Him. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you right now, and we thank you. We praise you for your blessings.